2: How triggered are you, Brian?
3: (laughs) It looks pretty good. It is
2: pretty good. It was pretty good. I mean, I I like to think, you know, Blender reached out to me. Uh, He said he was doing it for the bit. He asked if I wanted in. I said, of course. So shout out Blender for (laughs) one of these. And uh, I, I think the karma gods rewarded him. He had a massive bink in MMA over the weekend, right?
3: He did, yeah. So he paid for those jerseys a hundred times over.
2: Yeah, exactly. So uh, he could, he could fill a few warehouses with these jerseys now. Uh, Were you, were you, did you play that MMA slate? I did. What, uh, what,
3: what was he He, he talking? I I took seventh.
2: What was he talking? He was talking about Twitter that he, he changed his process or something up.
3: Yeah. He, he, uh, he started doing less dupes. Uh Oh, (laughs) Uh Oh you're Where saying you gotten that idea from
2: you, so it was this is a real uh snake eating its own tail kind of thing here uh so now blenders who we blame for uh pushing the no dupe stuff
3: well yeah now he wins one and just tells the world
2: <laughs> and now and now everyone's odd to it
3: now the edge is gone
2: oh boy I need to get it. I need to get back in those MMA streets. Man, I've I've been I've been too busy. I miss DFS. I even want to play some preseason DFS, and I just like haven't had the time to devote to it. The people in the Discord were wanting us to talk some preseason DFS, but I don't feel like the two of us are probably the right people for that job right now.
3: No, I don't I don't play preseason. What are the prize pools?
2: I think they've been fairly good. I did toss in a couple into that. Uh, whatever the hall of fame game showdown contest. Um, I'm looking to see what they have up for this week. Looks like there is a big slate on, uh, actually, no, they haven't posted it yet. They have not. Oh, there is a showdown slate for Thursday. The Washington football team at Patriots prize pools look small so far.
3: Who has the best, uh, preseason content.
2: I think it's ETR. Uh, They got Adam and um, uh, what's uh, PSU fans is, uh, is helping them out over there with their video content and they're doing their tiered plays and stuff. Uh, But I actually haven't surveyed the, uh, the marketplace, but I I will keep for ETRs preseason content.
3: Dick Dick Chuck in my YouTube chat wants to thank Pete for all the puppy draft content and it's possible He's duped a few of those teams, so see you in the final.
2: Oh no! You're you're t- you're looking at my screenshots and then remaking the teams. This is brutal. This is brutal. It is funny, like the appetite right now for best ball content. Like Spags and I had been doing our self-indulgent recap of playmakers and not getting many views, and then we just do a best ball you know, draft on the stream and get five X the views. Like the, the market is spoken and they want us to do best ball drafts.
3: It does seem super popular. I was thinking about that. Like how much money can they make though? Because DraftKings does their whole season in a day. Yeah. Like a millimaker, maker, a hundred K to first, one big, you know, 300 $500 tournament. Like how can you survive off that? well company. they
2: also they have their big thing now too is they rolled out all the pick them stuff and i think that's where they're starting to see like their bigger growth uh is just from those the parlay pick them type games hopefully um oh yeah terrell davis wants to know if you i don't know if that's a slip he calls you the brain uh has brain but that's a good slip from our hand and brain exercise have you done any more drafts. Didn't you do a DraftKings one, right? Yeah, I did. I I liked your team. I can't remember it right now, but I remember when I looked at the screenshot, I thought it was a good team.
3: It was all right. It was like a Murray double stack. And then I tried to go with the Brady or I had, I was trying to pick up two wide receivers from the same team so I can get two stacks. Yeah. two QB stacks. And it didn't work. That didn't work out. And then the running backs were pretty weak. But and I hit, my missed two picks because <laughs> DraftKings doesn't have an alarm.
2: when it's it's your It's so bad. Yeah,
3: I don't, I don't get it.
2: I've been doing the slow drafts and I get the notifications, but there must have been one where, like, if 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 there's this window now where like I'm going to bed at like twelve to twelve thirty, and then I'm up by seven thirty or eight, and sometimes it's just like the perfect window where I'm not getting to the pick, and there's one team where I have four quarterbacks on it, like four quarterbacks early. And it's just like, it's so painful having to keep going in and making picks on a team that has four quarterbacks. It kills me. Yeah.
3: Easy to stack. Yeah. <laughs> it is.
2: Like lots, of, lots of stack options. What uh, I Because well, I remember I tagged you Harbs. Uh, the great Harbs posted that he was hopping in a 555 or that there was some space left. And his theory was that he thought there was going to be a few auto-drafters. Other than yourself auto-drafting a couple picks, did you notice that in the room?
3: It did seem like it, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of hard to tell, but it did seem like a couple of teams were auto-drafting. And there was also a guy who wasn't auto-drafting, but it didn't seem like he was there. Okay. yeah. Like he would he'd pick the highest. Is there a way to tell when those 50, 555s are going to fill? Because remember before, it used to have the amount entered on the lobby, so you could tell when it's like 10 out of 12, and you are like, oh, okay, I can play in the next few minutes. But now I can't see it.
2: Yeah, it is. It is not a, an ideal setup. I still have a hard time navigating the uh, the the platform on DraftKings. It it really tilts me how unuser friendly it is.
3: Uh, At least it's uh, on the actual PC now.
2: I know. Yeah. Uh, Rick is asking serious question. Where can I find the, find the best intro to best ball article? Uh, it's not an article, but I did do a video for ETR that I'll post in here. That is, uh, 10 tips and tricks of how to win at best ball looks at a lot of the data that Leone did looking at constructions and win rates and stuff and focuses on how to win the large field tournaments, mainly for underdog, but a lot of the principles can apply to DraftKings as well. So I will put in a plug for that video because I spent a lot of time on it.
3: Um, you know, another good one, Pete, uh, what's that? That I guess we might as well talk about since Alex just tweeted about it. Me and you talk about this all the time. It's uh, his third tweet down here. Let me send it to you.
2: Hey, you want to go share a screen?
3: No, no, no. I'll just give it to you in the private chat here. Okay. That one. So me and you talked about this.
2: Let me let me get this pulled up here.
3: So be- best ball is DFS. You know we've said it a million times. You want you really want to take first. I know <laughs> yeah. it's it's easy. It's easier said than done. Trust me. But best ball is no different, and probably even more so. And they're and they're pretty top heavy too. Well, I, I was looking at some of the prize structures. Like I wouldn't even max enter some of these, cause I think there's the edge isn't there in
1: yeah. my
3: opinion. I, you know, what do I know? I guess. But, um, and so, yeah, so this tweet is a nice little strategy piece by Alex that, uh, I wish he'd kind of keep his mouth shut, but.
2: Well, yeah, it's, uh, I, I do think, and because this is the kind of the argument that you've heard, you know, if there's a lot of people, it's kind of like, The GPP bros, the large field guy, you know, really focusing on maximizing your win potential in weeks, you know, 16 and 17 versus the just advance and survive or let the chips fall how they may crowd. That's just trying to win their individual 12 man league. But when you look at it in these terms, it it does show how you absolutely have to be building to win week 16, 17 in these tournaments.
3: Yep. And your 10 man leagues or eight man leagues, you know, back in 2005 or something like that stuff doesn't apply. Like, you know, a lot of times the payout structures are um, if you have the most points, you get half the pool, the the pool. Like if you take first during the regular season, you get money. Like this is, this is just a top heavy GPP. And although it's it's 17 weeks or whatever, 15 weeks long, man, you got to take first.
2: <laughs> Hodge, uh, I wish I could get these jerseys up in the Lulz store. Uh, I need to see if my inventory provider, uh, <laughs> can get these, but you might be able to ask blender. Uh, I don't know. Maybe now that they've paid to do the print file, it wouldn't be too hard. So, uh, you're going to have to use a uh, promo code Pete at blenders DMS to get your brick 75 jerseys. Uh, yep. it is very funny that our brick 75 merch now comes from uh, blender. Um, <laughs> I was going to post nice. It's a nice
3: quality. It looks really nice.
2: It is. It's like, cause I have some jerseys that I bought from this, uh, this music site and I like their jerseys, but they're more just like mesh casual, like reversible. These are reversible, but these are like legit. The kind of jerseys my high school basketball team would have had like that quality.
3: Oh, my um, high basketball team would have had garbage quality.
2: So. <laughs> I was going to show another tweet, uh, so a tweet about this and then uh, actually let me get the right link in here. But this is then looking at the underdog one, but the same thing about looking at the idea of like re- expectations. Uh, if you max entered one of these, so 1-6 because the top two advance to round one, that's 25 teams. Then one ninth of that expected to advance to round two. So now your expected advance is 2.28 teams. Then one eighth expected to advance to round three. You're down to 0.15 teams. And then that leaves you with teams in the final, and now you need to win first out of 160 to win a million and one dollars.
3: Yeah.
2: Would you put it in those kind of perspectives? I don't want to just win in advance. Like I need an absolute monster of a team.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously you got to get lucky. Yes. You got to get lucky, but you just, whatever you're doing, try to make it so you get as lucky as possible in the most important weeks. Yep. And prayer and sacrifice to the best, to the best ball. Best guys. ball guys.
2: Yeah. I mean, what do you like? Ba- I'm trying to think this will be a very, it'll be, I'll be very excited to look back and see on my advance rate, because I think I'm going to have a really good sample size. I'm going to have 150 in the big dog. I have about a hundred in the puppy one. And I think I'll be around a hundred in the puppy two, and then going to put 10 in the big dog. Uh, but I think over three tournaments having a hundred plus teams, I feel like that'll give me a pretty good idea of if I'm better than the field uh, from that data.
3: Yeah, well, pr- pr- um, to still I think you small? need like I think you need like five years of data. Five years, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's such a small sample size, you know the the amount, the amount of entries. I would the way I would do it is I would do a max of 10 times whatever first place is like, um, I did, I did a bankroll video a while back that explains this concept, but like, let's say, let's say first place is, uh, a hundred K,
2: which it is for the puppy too.
3: Okay. The most I would enter into that. So usually the smaller ones, you're fine with max entering. The most I would enter into that is, um, uh, in it Let's say it was like a five, a big one. I'm just thinking of the big uh, DFS ones, like 555 or something. Yeah. Most I would enter in that was like 10k, because I figure that gives me a 10 to one shot. T- I'm betting 10k, and then if I win, I get 100k, right? Mm-hmm. And so like I'm like I can win at that rate maybe. Now mm-hmm. it's it's more complicated than that, and you're going to get money back. Yeah. But as long as you're getting like a 10 to one shot, and sometimes the odds aren't aren't even that good. Right. So like. Like the it'll cost in these in these high stakes leagues, it'll cost like whatever, fifteen grand or seventeen grand to max enter it. And it's like, okay, well now I'm looking at like almost five to one I have to win to get first. And like that's not realistic. Like I can't win every five days. Right.
2: Right. Yeah. Right. So Yeah. I mean, the puppy one is, it's big. It's going to be at, I mean, it's at 98,000 entrance right now and it's 87% full hundred thousand at first, 50,000 a second costs $750 to max it.
3: So that like, look at the odds you're getting there. It's it's pretty good. But like um, the field is enormous, Yes, but yeah, I would still, I would probably max max that one. The big dog, I looked at that one. I would not, definitely not max that one. Okay. So that's a good example. So that is 250, right? Let, let's if I have my memory right. Let me get yep. a calculator up. So yeah, it's, I can, I can uh, get it
2: pulled up here too.
3: If you want to bring up the underdog lobby, it might make more yep. sense. Yeah. Okay. So what's first? So 100K. Okay. Yeah. So there's 250 entry, uh, 250 per entry. And what's the max entry? It's like 60 something.
2: 69, I think. Yeah. What
3: is yep, it? 69. 99. 69. Okay. So 250 times 69. Max Center costs 17,250 bucks. So right, that's a perfect example of what I just talked about. So hundred grand to first divided by 17,250. You have to win this five point seven times, five point seven to one.
2: What one, one out of every six times you need to win the big dog
3: if you're well, maxing, and- This is excluding all your caches, your min caches. Right. And stuff like right. That. So, like, you want to – put that's why 10 to 1, you're not going to win once every 10 times either. But it's, like, a good just rule of thumb, right, like a little heuristic to, like, no – because of the max entries and the cost, and they're all varied. And, like, and the bigger the gap between first and second – so this is a pretty flat payout structure in the current system, you yeah. know, ecosystem. Uh, the wider that gets from first to second – so let's say it's 100K to – DK does this like 100k FanDuel's even worse. Uh 100k second place is like 20k. Well now I now I'm now I'm probably even going to enter less and take a better, you know, get better odds on my entry fees. Now, if you have an edge on every lineup you enter, to so like back in the day, you should just max enter and don't do any of this stuff. Um but I doubt most people have an edge or no offense, but like they have an edge or their edge is really small, or maybe some of them they have an edge on for some reason. Like maybe they, they, they know the news that week better than anyone else. I'm just trying to think of edges and yeah. that's all. And so maybe that, that, that would be a good time to enter. But yeah. So for that one, I'm, I'm not max entering. I would probably, and this, and this is DFS where you, I think you have, you can have a bigger edge. So the smaller edge is even less you want to enter.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So in that one, I would probably enter like, I don't know twenty five times.
2: Why do you think? Why do you think the edge is is much bigger in in DFS versus best ball?
3: There's uh well, there's probably worse players, but I think it's easier to screw up in DFS. It's more complicated with salaries and ownership.
2: Yeah, I was just thinking of like the ADP is like the proxy for salaries where they're. And then obviously how you construct your team similar idea of how you yeah, allocate your, I'm the just ADP, trying to figure out. Yeah.
3: The ADP is market adjusted. True. In real time. True. So like if the salaries were adjusting based on what we all thought and what we were all betting on, it'd be efficient by the end, by six o'clock and there'd be no edge. Gotcha. Well, depending if you didn't know anything about ownership, but yeah, with ownership, yeah. you could still get an edge, but yeah,
2: that is a, it is a huge thing. And, I do think, you know, that I I was talking about this, I think with Davis and Pat, but this idea of the ADP is so solidified. And then there's been this thing of like, okay, the ADP got so wild in July, you know, we skewed it all so wide receiver heavy, but then a lot of the more casual drafters will come in and it'll balance out. And I was thinking about how humans and people in these draft rooms are so anchored to the ADP. That they're gonna come in in the ADP that's already been established, they're not gonna want to swim against that current, and so they're gonna almost capitulate with the current ADP that's extremely sharp from July. And I don't you would have to see a huge wave of people who give zero shits about ADP, I think to reset it in any meaningful way.
3: I can I could I could see that being an inch. It's just like I don't know. That's it's just okay, so you get on average 10 spots better than everyone else. But like in baseball, there's so many other variables that day wind and the projection, the salary, the ownership, um, the correlations you can build and how all those things interact. Um, the distributions of the player. I mean, there's, I guess a lot of these things apply still to best ball, but
2: yeah. And I would say like, you know, the chat's talking obviously about the, structural edges and i do think you know when you look at a lot of the teams even what i've noticed is the adp the player specific adps are very efficient because the market beats them up into oblivion and then people just draft off of them within like a band of like no more than 20 picks like you rarely see a guy going 20 picks ahead adp and you rarely see a guy going 20 picks after adp like with few exceptions however you can see some really weird teams within that you see the classic guys taking four quarterbacks, you know, they take four tight ends like in, I mean, I guess there's outs to those teams advancing, but for the most part, you will see dead teams in every draft.
3: Like tonight in baseball today in baseball, like the weather, like how do you play that? You know, there's, 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 there's so many more variables. Um, and even though I was just touting, like, you really got to think about the late weeks in best ball, mm-hmm. um, like, who the hell knows? Yeah. So, like, I have a ton of information about today. And I have very little information about five months from now. So, like, I feel like that's going to be, a, you know, I can I can pull from a whole bunch of sources and stuff and figure out what all this information means for tonight in DFS. Right. Baseball, uh, best ball. Yeah, I can, I can still kind of do that, but man, it's a long ways out. And then that's what we're kind of getting some of our edge on is trying to figure out what's going to happen in week 15, whatever.
2: Yeah. But I think there are parallels. Like I don't, I don't know baseball well at all, but I do know that, you know, the home runs and those singular events are very random and isn't one of the most profitable things is to just play the ownership game. The field gets very confident on a team in a you know, good spot. And you just playing another team that's in a similar spot, but not quite as good at lower ownership. And then you just embrace the variance when it hits. I feel like there's similarities too with how you can construct your best ball teams. The field is very certain about certain situations and you're able to build more anti-fragile constructions, whether that's the hyper-fragile, whether that's the zero RB. So I don't know. I do think there are parallels. I I see what you're saying. It is, you need a lot of luck though, over.
3: You know what they should do? is this might be the worst idea of all time. I'm just thinking of it right now. So is a is the best ball, but DFS structure. So you open it up. Anyone can enter at any time from now. There's no draft. You pick your team based on salary. Then it becomes an ownership game. Then you're like, okay, we know like 30% of people are going to take this uh, Russell Wilson stack or something. You know, I'm just making mm-hmm. this up. And then you're like, okay, now now we're playing now. We got an ownership advantage as well. And you can just draft whenever you want, it doesn't matter. You get 150 cracks at it. Yeah. And then it's the same thing. Best ball, best ball rules.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I I know I know like Bime for is very uh confident that he thinks there's still huge kind of structural drafting edges in these tournaments uh it it is it does go to your point though if you're trying to win first place in these time horizon like on a long time horizon it could take you like you could be a very good best ball player and fire at this best ball mania too for a long time and and never realize that edge
3: these are huge tournaments too like I mean, I I basically just repeated what you just said, but I'm disagreeing yeah. with you. Like, I'm I'm emphasizing it. Like, yeah. you could you could be a, the best basketball player of all time, and easily go broke because it just takes so long to realize these milli makers. Come on, like, yeah, you'll, you're you probably never gonna win one, but there is an I, edge there.
2: Yeah, and I I will say too, like uh, in my one. You know, I made the finals in the $5 one last year. I think I'm a way, way, way better uh, best ball player now. But when I look at my lineup that made it there, to, it has all of the properties of the things to tilt the deck in your favor. I had my double stacks with both my quarterbacks. I had bringbacks in the week 17 game. I had a zero RB roster that allowed me to access the high ceilings of the pass catcher. And then I was hitting random pockets. I got a Tony Pollard week because Zeke was out and he was that. So like all the anti-fragile correlation, all of that stuff I could pack into that team. That's the team that did well. And I guess that's at least encouraging for me to know, yes, I got lucky that I hit the parlay on the four pass catchers that had insane seasons, but that structure set me up to take advantage of it.
3: Yeah. I, that's You got to do it. You got to do all those things. It's, yeah. it's, it's really just a mental thing. Your risk tolerance. Are you willing to lose for two years, three years of ball, even though you know you're doing the right stuff? Yeah. It's possible that that could happen to you, unfortunately.
2: Yeah. Uh, And it it is the other thing about it too, that I think really highlighted for me how valuable the structures are is that I've talked about this now on a few shows, but Leone did the thing of splicing the specific constructions and then looking at the micro player win rates within that. And there's some like weird players within there, like Josh Jacobs and Todd Gurley had really good win rates in these hyper fragile builds, which those guys had blah seasons. But because they were within these solid structures, it was able to get the most out of those. In the same way, there was Eno Benjamin, this random Cardinals running back who did nothing last year that had this huge individual win rate in zero RB teams because zero RB drafters were traditionally drafting him as a late round flyer. But their construction was so solid that it like bragged, uh, brung along a, a random player into a positive win
3: rate. That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. He, he barely—I don't remember him doing anything last year.
2: No, he did. He was like a trendy college uh, prospect, and uh, sounding like he's having a good camp. He's uh, my preferred sleeper out of the Cardinals' Cardinals' backfield right now. But okay. yeah, so I—I I don't know. It is—it is fun. It'll be really fun to see the next uh, wave of data. But the other thing, Leone was kind of wrestling with, and he—he he said that in his article where. You know, the zero RB teams did incredibly well last year because a lot of them had Travis Kelsey and Kelsey at a onesie position, had an absolutely massive season. And so then you can start to nitpick and be like, well, if half the zero RB teams were taking Travis Kelsey early and he gets hurt, like what happens to that constructions win rate all around one single player. So it is very fragile, but at least it allows you to take advantage of those high outcome seasons.
3: And that stuff happens in TFS every day. Yeah. One guy goes down and then the slates changed, especially in the NBA.
2: And then you just uh, crumple up your papers and throw them over your shoulder and head to the next week.
3: Yeah. Unless you fade that guy. And then you thank the TFS gods. Yeah. And print the money.
2: Uh Harb's asking about the uh, the DraftKings Brady NFTs. Uh, I didn't go for those. I kind of wish I would have gone and rent-saked them. Uh, did you mess around with those at all?
3: I was told myself I wasn't going to do it, and then after the first drop, I got in for the rest of the <laughs> I didn't get one, though.
2: You did? Oh, you tried and didn't?
3: I tried on all. How many did I do today? Four or whatever? I did three out of four, whatever it was. I missed the first one.
2: So did they just have like similar to Top Shot, a randomized queue?
3: Yeah, it's exa- identical.
2: Okay. Uh, yeah. And are you able, so with the DraftKings marketplace, I didn't look into it closely. Are you able to just use your DraftKings balance on those?
3: I didn't get one, but yeah, I'm pretty sure you can. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that definitely I, makes it. I, I tweeted at them DraftKings. I'm like, put a little checkbox there that I, I please buy this for me using my DraftKings balance if I am selected. So I don't have to come back.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's top shot ended up adding. It was so like in the early days, people would get in the line and have to sit there and wait for two hours, just sweating when they came up. Luckily they added the email option of send me an email when I'm, when it's my turn in line and you could go live your life again. But yeah, it's like,
3: that's not even that great.
2: Yeah, I mean you're saying you just wanted to auto buy it.
3: Yeah, just buy it for me. Like I'll opt in. Let's I'm I'm I saying on. I will buy this. Take the money now. And then when I'm selected, buy it. If not, put it back in my account.
2: Looks like Harbs is doing well. Uh got the sapphire one for 75. The floor is now six feet.
0: Wow. I could really use current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Fifty. Uh
2: it does I, I'm kind of actually mad at myself that I didn't pay more attention to this because it's one of those things where it's like I don't give a shit about the Tom Brady one, but the combination of the DraftKings marketplace. Tom Brady, just being, you know, such a recognizable figure, that's a clear plus EV drop to go after. And I just like shrugged my shoulders at it.
3: Would you be selling right now if you got one? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I w- yeah. I mean, I, I have no idea. I mean, 75 to 650, uh, almost 10 X there. That sounds pretty nice to me.
3: 15% fees.
2: That's what their marketplace fee is.
3: 10% to that company. What's the company? uh authentic or, or something whatever Starts with an a five percent draft kings
2: that's that's high because it like on on open the default is 2.5 percent to open 2.5 percent to the creator and then the creator can adjust their fee as they like and so you'll see some projects up to five percent six percent but man 15 percent is that's a chunk
3: So every time that sells, the creator gets that 2.5, huh? Yeah. That's pretty awesome.
2: Yeah. I mean, man, OpenSea right now, that company is just absolutely crushing. I mean, (laughs) the amount of volume they're doing right now and the fees that they're, I mean, it's it's an absolute printing press. I guess it's similar to like a lot of crypto exchanges who print on their stuff. But man, OpenSea is doing so much volume right now.
3: That's what I was hoping DK would be. Like they'd be more like, oh, you can sell your Top Shots on here. You can sell whatever on here. That would be that would be cool. Using your DK balance. I mean, if the, I wonder if Top Shot was on open if it would, if it would matter? Because like these Bra- everything's pumping. These Brady NFTs are everything's pumping except Top Shot.
2: No, Top Top Shot is is back to pumping.
3: Is it? Because my I looked yeah. at my account yesterday, and it's like lowest of all time.
2: Well, it's because you just have all the high end stuff. <laughs>
3: Well, shouldn't that be going for a ton of money if everything else that's high end is going for a ton of money?
2: I mean, I it's I, I don't I'm not smart enough to understand how the market would work, but it does make intuitive sense to me that it would bubble up, um, where the most interest coming on the lower stuff, and then as more people come in. But I know like Dingaling, uh, who's a guy who's been scooping up a lot of the you know first mint cereals, last mint cereals. I know he went on another shopping spree, so I think some high end stuff is getting scooped up. I know Jeremy Levine, shout out underdog. He was buying some stuff. So I don't know. I guess it, maybe, maybe we bought the wrong stuff. (laughs) I don't know. What's our floor at, uh, on our Jokic
3: 50 something.
2: That's still not bad. Although I wonder how long it would take us to get a sale as the lowest ask. Yeah, that's
3: the question. I mean, I, at this point, I think we just, hold on for a while rick
2: i owned one-fifth one-fifth i own one-tenth of the crypto or of the Jokic. but uh owning one-fifth of a crypto punk is a lot better than owning one-tenth of a Jokic. i know i wish
3: we would have been in the crypto (laughs) punk dude
2: if we would have like when you and me and pat and jack and like we were in that mania if we would have just focused on Crypto punks.
3: We would have made. We probably would made a couple million. <laughs> we probably
2: would have. You like because you put in a decent chunk of change. Like mm-hmm. even same with Alex. Like I know Alex put a lot of money onto Top Shot. Yeah. Like if if Alex had bought ten crypto punks or whatever, um, yeah, that market is insane.
3: What's the saying? Like invest in what you know. So it's like oh, yeah. okay, we'll do that. No, invest in what you don't know. Apparently, yeah. crypto punks.
2: Well, I've it, it's been interesting to follow Alex's tweets, because I know, you know, like a lot of people, I think he felt, you know, a little burned by some of the kind of centralized decisions that top shot made. And he, I know from his tweets, he was saying like, he was hoping that it would be a venue where you could leverage your NBA expertise. And that just didn't prove to be the case, uh, based on the market fluctuations and the over minting and all that stuff. So, uh, I can see the frustration for sure.
3: I mean, I feel the same the same way as he does. I don't like it's like I don't want to shit on the company and stuff like that. Like I don't know, I just don't feel don't really feel like it. But I feel I feel the same way. Like I feel like if they did nothing after when we got in, nothing, absolutely nothing, except fix the KYC stuff and got everyone their their uh, their money, they'd probably be booming now too. What but do you they, mean like, by nothing? Like don't print any more. Anymore. Obviously, they need money and stuff like that, but leaving that stuff aside, I, I'm saying this singular thought of if they didn't print anything else, they just got everyone their KYC checked, and all there was was Series 2s or higher, it yeah. would probably be pumping yeah. right
2: now. And another thing like that one of the reasons it is doing better is they uh, raised the cap. Uh, you can now list for a million before it was a quarter of a million. I think they now change the limits on the amount of crypto and money you can get on the site quickly. So like it is getting less frictionless I think for the users, which is good.
3: Yeah. Well, okay. I guess I shouldn't have raised the limits too. like that one. They should have done a while ago or, or anything to do with like bidding or things like that. Fine. Go ahead and change. But like the printing and stuff like that and the, the drops, I think it, pissed a lot of people off and the market crashed, you know, as all the markets were kind of crashing during that period too. But um, I mean, I think they dropped the ball big time. I think they had a lot of momentum and they fucked it up and they were listening to too many people like fans and stuff like that. And if they just did nothing (laughs) except work on KYC and some raise the bids and stuff like that, I bet some of these 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 cosmics would be going for five hundred grand. Yeah, who knows? Obviously, but
2: yeah, I I do see what you're saying. I think there would have been more momentum. You know, if you had more buyers, like especially during that mania, if they were able to onboard more people, not have the limits, you could have seen some sales that even brought in more people, just because it was would have been making pretty big waves. But on the other hand, I still feel like the thesis of buying the cosmics and some of those lower mint. In special series was that they would be able to withstand over minting on the lower tier end. And you're always going to have those as kind of the gateway of getting new people introduced to the site. Like most people aren't going to come on the site and buy a cosmic there. They have to get hooked and have fun and interact with the platform. So I don't know how you avoid that, especially too when the whole point is to like be giving out, new collectibles that reflect cool highlights like they can't just say all right anthony edwards had this sick dunk but because we know it's better for the market not to min anything more we're not going to produce this moment
3: no i think you could because <laughs> the the demand would still would still be there i think people would just be trading on the platform and the prices would go up uh maybe yeah. maybe i'm wrong like but like like apply those principles to crypto punks mm-hmm. Did you need like the why? Do you need the fan to get involved in CryptoPunks? Why is that doing so well? Do any of those concepts apply to CryptoPunks? I don't think so.
2: Yeah, but I would say they're they're different types of projects, right? Like, I mean, CryptoPunks is like a static ten thousand avatar project. The yeah, NBA,
3: like what? Well, that's what I want.
2: A <laughs> yeah, static what? ten
3: thousand NBA product <laughs> would have <laughs> done a lot better,
2: <laughs> right? But in a if like, if you actually, if we would have, so the one for, thing that everyone for us, got excited,
3: obviously not for them, but yeah,
2: no. Yeah. And the one thing that got everyone excited about top shot was the official NBA license. Like that was the like, Oh my God, this is going to be too big to fail. Seven and a half billion dollar evaluation. But to your point, if you actually looked at like the early fundamentals, okay, this was a project in crypto punks that released 10,000 of these for free. They were all claimed just for whatever the cost of gas was. It's, uh, pretty much decentralized in that the Larva Labs has basically no control over it. There's no fees for trading CryptoPunks. You know, it's it's all you know Ethereum native. To I just feel like when you look at the fundamentals, it makes sense why that project does so well.
3: Sure, but I mean, it is Flow native, right? It's it works exactly the same way. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying like that, the idea of you have to get the casual fan in and stuff like that. It's like, no, you don't. CryptoPunks proves that not, that's not true.
2: And I would say, I think NBA Top Shot's goal is, is much different from like the Larva Labs CryptoPunks goal. Like Top Shot wants to be like a global phenomenon. They want to, I think they want to make their OG collectors happy, but I think they also want they want to onboard a ton of users and there will never be more than 10,000 CryptoPunks users. And I don't think top shot would ever be like, we only want there to be 10,000 people using our, our stuff.
3: No, but you could have taken it a little slower and yeah. uh, onboard everybody, but just print a little bit less print later. Now, listen, I'm just saying what I would guess and I could be wrong would be best for me and you. I'm not talking about yeah. top shot for top shot. If I was in charge and you know, someone comes up to me and goes, yeah, you know, we could print a new series every two weeks and just make like 15 mil or whatever it is. They make a ton of money. Just hand over fist. I'd be like, yeah, uh, print, uh, make yeah.
2: money machine. go.' Do bird. that.
3: Whatever you said, just do that. Do that. Yeah. Keep doing it. I mean, that, I would do the same thing, honestly, if I was the, the head of the company. But I think that is. So now, like, people come on and they're like, oh, OK, well, now there's like a billion different cards. I don't even know when some of these are going to be capped. Um, and then it lost its luster and when it loses its luster, the, the, the high end stuff, no one's going to be paying yeah. these ridiculous amounts.
2: Yeah. There, there has been a sentiment change. And even though the high end stuff hasn't quite caught up, there has been way more activity. I think some of the utility stuff that they promised upon that it has actually started to deliver with their finals experience, draft experience, summer league stuff, uh, I think they're they're on the right track. They I was like a big beneficiary of completing that Cool Cats master challenge. They announced all the utility for that. The set is like 5xed since that announcement. They're going to be sending free merch and all this stuff and they airdropped 3 packs into my account. Like again, you could say they were too reactive and, you know, listening to too many people who are upset and then making decisions based on that, but as a beneficiary, of the Cool Cats Master Challenge rewards, I think it's headed in the right direction in that in that way.
3: Like if I really, I really think I'm right. Like I know you can't run the company this way, but like think about CryptoPunks. Let's say how they released CryptoPunks too. Now, mm-hmm. same company, whatever is nothing. They to basically the did
2: one. the Mebits. Yeah. Okay,
3: th- there you go. Whatever. I guarantee, I guarantee it's in demand. Right. Yes. So, like, and it's in demand because of the first thing. So like if they would have waited and like the only the only things people could buy were this these smaller uh issued more expensive like I eventually then the 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 interest would build right because then assume I'm right and cosmics are going for five hundred grand or something like that. Then mm-hmm. they're like okay, here comes the next one. They would would sell on a second. Now I mean It turns out when they would print new stuff, it would sell out in a second, anyways. So for them, it makes sense. It made sense, but like if you have all this hoopla around like the crypto punks do, whatever next you're going to do is going to crush automatically, and they didn't didn't let it build up enough.
2: Yeah, but I just like think about the entry point right now. I mean, you know, Andy and his site Fractional, he's making it possible for people who want to buy a crypto punk but can't afford one at the outrageous prices to buy a fraction. But don't you think it would completely stunt top shot growth on the, like there's, if if the only thing to come on and the lowest ask was a thousand dollars for a moment. And it was just like, I feel like the other dynamics is the pack stuff too. Like that was what was so fun for so many people was the mystery box of the
3: packs. I think that's cool. I, I just think yeah. you could still have all that stuff and it could have increased the interest by printing less and, and keeping people in that current marketplace. And, like, it's also, it's not like healthcare. Like, we don't need to make low entry points to keep people alive, right? Like, art art can be super expensive. It's not like we need an Andy Warhol, a cheap Andy Warhol, so everyone can enjoy it. Not right. that it's art, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. So our, our Jokic lowest is 53 thousand four hundred the chris paul's thirty five thousand four ninety nine and the tatum is a hundred grand and the john Morant's five thousand nine
2: hundred ninety eight dude yeah that that was one of our worst
3: that was one yeah. of was starting to tank
2: yeah it still wasn't enough of a deal
3: and i think we did a podcast where i talked about like how risky i thought like trey young and john Morant are. then the next day we buy one
2: yeah Uh, let's see here. Lundar, do you think top shot mass produced just to raise revenue or they cave to the masses complaining about not getting packs? I probably a little of both columns,
3: right? I would. Yeah. And then the way they justify it in their head, who knows? They could say, no, we're justifying it to give people what they want. But really it's, you know, printing, printing money hand over fist.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I do think. I think they, I saw someone say it. I mean, they, they didn't have a roadmap. Um, they, they were firing from the hip here as, as Marathon says. So I think they've learned a lot of valuable lessons on the fly. Uh, I I think they've made a ton of mistakes. I also, I can personally be, I can't even imagine if I had, if I went from, you know, servicing 5,000 people to servicing 500,000 people in the course of like, you know, six weeks, like what kind of strain that would put on your infrastructure and roadmap and how you think, I mean, like a bomb went off and they weren't ready to handle it.
3: You know what you do? You print and you print money. <laughs> that's what did. you do. And yeah. that's what they did.
2: Uh, yeah. So, uh, I, I feel like I'm having deja vu talking about, uh, Top shot, we, you know. We don't need to talk about. It.
3: I, I just really want like that premium. <laughs> this is totally selfish, obviously, but I think they really need that premium thing. That Honus Wagner, the crypto punk, and then that's what gets people like the dream. Like, oh, maybe this card, maybe this moment, maybe this crypto punk will be worth a million dollars one day. You know, maybe this me bit will be worth it. And we want that don't...
2: Michael Jordan set.
3: It, and it, it doesn't have that allure right now. Yeah. Yeah, Because they printed a million goddamn moments.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it... I still think over time their infrastructure and the things they have going for them are going to win out. Um, I, I do almost think that they're... It seems crazy to say, but I do think they're too big to fail Uh, with what they have going. I think it's just probably going to take longer than it needed to to get to where they could get.
3: But w- what what looks like success can mean different things to different people. So they could for them, they can remain profitable for 50 years. That doesn't mean the Cosmics are going to be worth 500 grand. Like they could just make money other ways. They have no competition because they own the the license. Right. You know, so they could just be making a million dollars a drop for the next 50 years or something. And that doesn't mean that Cosmics go up. No nope um that would be a success in their turn ice but not a success in our eyes
2: yeah and it it, i also could just see cycles happening too where uh right now everything with series one series two everything's so jumbled up but i think the further we get away from the series one and those very small first series one sets the more those are going to come into focus as premium sets
3: yes I do think it's gonna it's going to go uh up it's you know assuming this market this clown market stays the way it's going I would assume that uh it will go up I um I'm just saying theoretically a success means two different can mean two different things like to them they might not have the same goals that we have they and in fact they probably definitely do not
2: no no I think they're I think they're fully in uh, customer acquisition growth mode uh, still like I think they're less concerned about the economics and the you know the market
3: do you think because I've thought about the uh, everyone has an avatar now on their Twitter egg their Twitter handle uh, their, their Twitter avatar and do you think it's jump the shark like the uh,
2: the, the avatar stuff
3: yeah, because everyone's got their monkey or their crypto punk or whatever.
2: Did you? I, I we I had a we had a long conversation about this on Club Topshot last night. Well, kind of tangentially related. I was kind of uh, going off on people whose entire like brand and personality is centered around one single NFT avatar, and I how yeah. I thought that was stupid.
3: Because now that everyone does it, I want to do the opposite. So I don't know what the opposite is. Is there uh, some sort of NFT I can buy that would be the opposite of you know what? The m- my my handle.
2: The most subversive thing you could do right now on you know NFT Twitter is just have a very smiley business professional photo of yourself, like a LinkedIn profile <laughs> picture. It. I
3: can't do that one though. I have to, like this. <laughs> I have to take my suits into the dry cleaner. I haven't used in like six years.
2: Yes. First, Brick came for the jerseys and I said nothing. Then he came for the avatars and I shrugged because I had sold my crypto <laughs> punk.
3: But then, cool, but come on, don't you guys have a little hipster in you, you know, where when something gets popular, you want to.
2: Yeah. Well, it not that an, an interesting thing about it's like hipsterism, contrarianism versus being a part of a community? Because a lot of people are actually wanting to be a part of something. They're not wanting to feel like a lone wolf.
3: Yeah. Uh, And I want to make fun of them because now there's too many of them.
2: (laughs) (laughs) There are a lot of them. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't, like the people having those, their avatars as those things doesn't bother me at all. It's just when the people are, this is the only thing about me. There's nothing, I don't want to talk about anything else. My entire identity is this avatar. And then I'm like, come on, dude.
3: Yeah. No. Th- yeah. I want to be like, okay, I'm I'm the first one who does it, or one of the first ones. No one else is doing it. And then when everyone does it, then I'm switching off. I'm doing something else.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I can't. I can't really picture you with an unironic NFT avatar.
3: Yeah. They kind of look ironic, but the problem is there's just too many of them now that you, you don't look. Uh, it doesn't look like uh, you know whatever a unique thing.
2: Yeah. I. It is also just funny to it. I mean, Adam has talked about this, about how he'll never change his profile picture. And I kind of wish I was a little bit more of a purist. You're you're definitely a purist with how long you've kept yours. But I, there is something nice about seeing a tweet and immediately being able to identify it just by the photo uh, versus when people, and myself included of late, are changing their avatar all the time. And you just get like this whiplash when you're looking on the feed
3: yeah that that's true when you change your name and stuff like that to even then that they were like wait oh that's pink I, w- I my my uh my goal was I wanted someone to ask me who my avatar was and then I would change it finally no one's ever asked me no. wow no one's ever asked you yeah it's the white panther
2: wait. aaron gray
3: oh actually I thought it was like
2: Bill Lambier or something <laughs> like I mm-hmm. even...
3: it's the white panther baby
2: all right, so now now you have to change it. And what, yeah, what is,
3: I've, I've been thinking of changing it. <laughs> Look at that picture.
2: I love. What it. is the origin of that? You just love this photo.
3: Yeah, I love that. His nickname's White Panther. That's funny. Yeah, he's he was like this seven foot two lumbering center for the Bulls. Played for what a year, little bit. He was at Purdue, from Purdue. What year was he playing on the Bulls? Oh, it's been a while now. Probably about eight years ago.
2: Okay. All right. But this was like post Okay, this was more like late 2 or early 2000s. Yeah, let me Okay.
3: Oh, you know what I should get? I should do. Let's see. He's 30. Uh, his last season was 2014, it looks like. Yeah.
2: D- you're you're ruining a lot of people who just always wanted to believe that that was actually you. It, it would be really <laughs> funny. If someone did someone could do a really subtle good Photoshop of you on that, it if, that would actually be really good, Brian.
3: If I could uh dunk, this is the exact face I would make. <laughs> Just like that. Here, I'll give you a screenshot.
2: Hang on, let me <laughs> hang on, let me let me get you big screen here. All right.
3: Well, I gotta see, see what see. he looks like.
2: Okay, hang on. But you gotta wait to do it.
3: Uh no, wait, no, you stay there. I'll go on my my profile, see what it looks like. Hey. It's hard to see.
2: It's like it's this thing of like excitement and terror at the same time. Yeah, he did of- it. I did
3: it. Let me see
2: it, and then I I'm gonna already Photoshop. Right. Hang on, but turn your turn your head a little is the other direction. Side? Yeah, there. It I is. can't. I can't do this. Someone, someone, grab that screenshot for me and send it to me, and we're gonna Photoshop uh, a thing, and then we're gonna mint it as an NFT, and we're gonna get rich.
3: <laughs> the White Panther.
2: The White Panther, Big Dick Brick and The White Panther. Sounds like a children's book.
3: Oh man.
2: Yeah. A um, lot of you guys didn't know that Brian uh was actually in the NBA and he's he's lying. He was.
3: Why can't I think of the other Turkish center the Bulls had who got all the boards? God damn it.
2: Luke Longley. No, no? he's
3: Australian. Oh. He's uh, only a couple years ago. He sent a big contract to me. I played, I, I, uh, I, why can't I think of his name? I was playing uh golf at the driving range in the city. Yeah. And this guy's like nine feet tall next to me. <laughs> <laughs> he totally sucked too. Did make you feel good? And then he's like, how far is that? And, and his English is pretty good. So I measured, I had like a, you know, the, the, the golf, uh, uh, whatever it's called, uh,
1: Oh measure, yeah,
3: yeah, laser measure. <laughs> you used that measure. So, uh, yeah, I was measuring spots for. Uh, why can't I think of his fucking name? It's gonna drive me crazy. It's not
2: Bill Wennington,
3: right? But no, no.
2: <laughs> so I mean, we're we're see, we're all stuck the on nineties era. Turkish
3: center who rebounded a ton and he signed a big contract. Omar Isak. Oh my god. Omar. Isik. Omar chic.
2: Oh, there it is. Omar Isak.
3: Yes, thank you. I, um, yeah, so him and I are boys.
2: There you go uh all right i i think it's time i like that for you brian this idea of keeping so when you because it accomplishes two goals it is people still scan it and it's gonna just feel familiar as your avatar but it's Mm. gonna have a subtle shift of your head photoshopped on it
3: that's true yeah and it's not a uh nft no
2: avatar
3: which I but can't, it could I can't be. do now. It's too popular.
2: Ten thousand brick uh, white panther NFT drop. They're all the same. All the exact same traits and properties. Only ten thousand ever made.
3: Ten thousand. That seems a little high, don't you?
2: You got a big fan base, Brian. <laughs>
3: I'm gonna ten thousand dollars.
2: Hey, I'll, there's gonna be some whales. There's me. I want to own at least a hundred of those. I want to max center your NFT project. Um. All right, guys. Thank you for hanging out with us tonight on Lulls, best ball game theory. Talked some Top Shot, and talked about Brian's new avatar project. Anything else going on with you, buddy?
3: Uh, yeah, I did the take cast. It's up. Um, oh, is it? Mm-hmm. So, if you guys want to listen to me and Davis BS about crypto and the bill and stuff, I talk about like uh, kind of my experience at at Springfield and how I how I look at this stuff. I'm, i mean i'm assuming you saw the bill that got passed in the senate it's going to the house It's like yes overly broad language and we've been saying forever that they're gonna come so if you want to listen to uh and then of course we get a little political so if you're not into that then don't listen but uh uh that is up and i did pj ownership if anyone wants to it on my site free brick 75 um I think that's it. And then we'll put the pot up here in like an hour.
2: All right. Sounds good, guys. Uh, we are here every Wednesday. Uh also I'm slowly starting to uh trickle this out. Uh, I haven't even told Brian this, but I just moved the merch store. I'm killing uh T public. I got my new one up and I have a few pieces of Lowell's merchandise up, including Brian, a snapback hat. So, uh, I'm still getting my bearings here on, uh, Shopify, but the link is down below if you want to check out some of the new merch. Um, all right, guys, we will see you next Wednesday.